Good morning, family. As, uh, as Ben said, we had a bit of a boy band going up on stage here. So I think you should give them a really good round of applause. Thank you, guys. We'll see you just now again. Well, we've been having a great time in our series about prayer that is entitled, When You Pray. And that's why you'll notice the word prayer uh, or pray here as it is on stage. And I want to remind you, it's a, it's a bit of an acronym that you and I can use to help us grow in our prayer life. The P is for pause. When we pray, the Lord Jesus showed us that we can come and we can come quiet and, and just sort of take a pause in our lives to reorientate ourselves, to remember who God is, to come and be with our Father, we pause. Then the R is for reflect or rejoice, where we declare who He is and remind ourselves by reflecting on who He is and so that from that place we can speak. Like Sean said, that we're not, we're not praying from the dust up, we're praying from the heavenlies, we're praying from the authority that our Father has. Then the A is ask, and uh, we're busy talking about different facets and and ways that we ask, and we're going to do that today. And then the, the one we'll still get to is the why, which is healed. So when you pray, and when I pray, we can pause, reflect or rejoice, ask, and healed. And that may just be a little bit of an easy process to follow. But today I want to talk to you within the context of asking about intercession. And this wonderful thing that we see in Scripture in intercession in Luke 11, verse 2 to 3, when, when the disciples were being taught by Jesus about prayer, and he said, when you pray, you're going to pray, so when you pray, do the, this kind of prayer. Then he said to them uh, from the NIV, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. So last week we spoke about the daily bread, now we're actually reversing a little bit in the order of what Jesus said, and we're going to the idea of let your kingdom come. In one of the other places where Jesus prayed and in a different translation it says, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And when Jesus says that, he is reminding us of the reality that there's a gap that we live in right now. There is God's will and what God's plans and dreams are for my life, for the places I find myself, for the world, and then there's what we experience at the moment, having, being alive in a broken world. So there's the perfect picture, heaven, the place where things are done perfectly according to God's will. We can describe it as where God's order is in place. Things are ordered according to God's justice and righteousness and His love. That's the one side. Let your kingdom come on earth as it, uh, on, in heaven. Oh, am I losing myself? On earth as it is in heaven. Sorry, there we go. So we have the heavenly picture and then we have the very real broken earth which is suffering because we are not living God's perfect order. We are actually trying to get away from God's perfect order on earth. As Psalm 2 says, the nations rage against him. We want to establish the order that we want. We don't want to be ruled by God. We don't want to be in a place where his will is being done. We want our own will as humanity. And that brings about brokenness, famine, poverty, sickness, disease, wars, frustration, anger, everything that you can say. 
So we live in this space where there's God's will and that which we experience on earth. And when we talk about intercession, it's about stepping into that space. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray for the heavenly reality, God's order as it is in heaven, where there's no sickness, no sorrow, for that order to be established on earth. So Jesus is telling us that God's order is not just something we have to wait for in life after death, but we can actually see God's order on earth. Probably not fully, not perfectly, but in some way, we can all see God's order established. That's why Jesus said to us, you're the salt and you're the light. Because you and I, when we give our hearts to Christ, his order is being established in us so that through us, wherever we go, we can become the touch points, the sprinkling, the shining hope of that which is God's order established as we would talk about on our front lines. Every one of us has front lines. Front lines, remember, is the places where God sends us every day and where we can go and represent the kingdom. Now I wanna remind you today that there's no person alive that is a believer, that there's no person hearing me speak today, whether it's on the live stream, on radio, whether it's here in the building, that is not sent every day by God. Do you know that? Every day you are sent into a chaotic, broken, disorderly world to go and be God's order, to go and represent, to be the ambassador, the emissary, to say there is a godly order. Sometimes you don't speak it, sometimes you live it, sometimes you speak it. By the way you structure and do life, by first of all recognizing that order can only be established in this world if there's recognition of the one who's at the top of the order, which is God. Then everything can start to being aligned and you as a Christian begins to live your life and you bring order. So your front line, maybe your family and there's a lack of godly order in your family. You see frustration, you see anger, you see manipulation, you see just breakdown of relationship, unforgiveness. And God says, I'm sending you so that what is in heaven can come on earth and you step into that gap and become the one that makes it possible because you bring godly order. Perhaps in your workplace, there's a lack of godly order. There's a toxic culture in your workplace. Perhaps there's sexism, abuse in your workplace. Perhaps there's just a, a horrible culture of alcohol and how they use and abuse alcohol. Perhaps the way they deal with each other is just bad. Now as Christians, when we're in a horrible, disorganized, chaos, chaotic environment like that, we often wanna pray, Lord, get me out of here. As a pastor, how many times do we pray and Christians come and they say, will you pray for me? My workplace is horrible. I need another workplace. Sometimes they even come and say, my family is horrible. I need another family. My marriage is horrible. I need another marriage. Sometimes the workplace prayer is a relevant workplace prayer where we can pray. 
I don't know about the family one, and I definitely don't know about the marriage one. But sometimes the answer to that prayer is, that's the reason you are there in the first place. You are the salt and the light. If every Christian that's in a tough place has to say, get me out of here, then nothing in this world will ever have the opportunity to be restored to godly order. Because we are the salt and we are the light. We are the ones sent by God every single day that you live and breathe. You are sent by God to go and see godly order established. So often when people talk about people like us, the pastors, people like me, people that work here at the church, you know, the professional Christians, as they talk about us. You know, they'll, they'll say, you're the full-time people because we full-time work in the church. The reality is, you're the full-time people. You're full-time in the service of the Lord. You're full-time in your front line being sent by God to bring godly order. And that's a position of intercession. We intercede. We hold that space between what should be and what is. And if we do not do that, then God's purposes will be frustrated. Just a few thoughts on intercession. Richard Foster says, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to pray. Intercession is a way of loving others. If we care, we intercede. If we, if we feel the love of God, we will intercede. We will step into that gap. Intercession is not driven by frustration, anger, hatred, being upset, even brokenness. Intercession is driven by love. Because I feel a love for this world. This broken, abused world, this world that is rebellious, that is biting the hand that feeds it, this world that consistently rejects the God that stands before them and says, let me love you. When we feel that love of God, there's an intercession that can rise up within us. I love what the great theologian Karl Barth said. To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. You see, prayer is a person living in the order of God, believing in the order of God, standing and speaking to that which is out of order and say, come into order. And how many of you know there's power in our words and in our prayers? After all, this whole world was created in the order of God through words that were spoken. And we agree with those words. Intercession, to intercede is to mind the gap between heaven and earth. It is to intervene or mediate between two parties as the equal friend of both, Pete Gregg said. In Ezekiel 22 verse 30, I looked for someone among them who would, who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. God scans the earth and he says, I'm needing people to stand up, to take hold of heaven and to pull heaven into the earthly reality. God's looking for people in this city 
God's looking for people on your front line. And he's saying, who here will call upon my name? Who here will, will hold on and not give up in that there can be possible that there may be order? What an indictment. If God says, I'm looking, but I'm not finding. And, and often it's not because there's no one, it's just because no one is engaged. No one has been stirred by love. Perhaps too many people are upset and groaning and moaning and seeing the problems, but aren't grabbed by the possibilities of the kingdom of God and saying, let heaven come on earth. Let, is it possible? Do you believe that heaven can come? I know sometimes we talk about front lines and then a, a person will come and say, you don't know my front line. It's all good and well. You all work in the church. Yeah, it's lovely here at church. You know. We never have disagreements or problems with anybody. We all just love one another. We sing songs all day. We pray. We read the Bible. We come and lie there on the soft carpet, have soaking sessions. It's just wonderful. It's like heaven. It's, it's angel factory, man. I know, your front line's tough. You don't know my front line. You don't know my boss. You don't know my colleague. I know. But God knows. Is it possible that in your front line, heaven can come down to earth? Can God use you to bring godly order? Perhaps not in its totality. You may not be in a position where you can influence everything, but you can influence something. You can speak differently. You can write your emails differently than what the culture in your company is. Amen? You can make sure that your things are done properly, that your work, what is one of our six M's? Make good work. That you're professional. That you attend to people. That you follow through. You can change something. You can stand in the gap. Jesus, ultimately, is the greatest example for us of the intercessor. Motivated by love to come and be our intercessor. I want Cicely and Ben, if you can, guys can join me. I want to just use them for an illustration. Who wants to be God? Who wants to be the sinner? Okay, you want to be God. Ben will be the sinner, okay? <laughs> Don't go too far. Come here. <laughs> Okay, so they've self-selected. God complex, humble person, okay? <laughs> Just teasing. <laughs> so God has a purpose and a plan for this world, for the universe, for everything. And God has a purpose for an individual's life. And God wants to do good things for an individual. Scripture says, my, my plans are for your good. I want you to flourish. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to experience life where I am on the throne and there's order to your life. And so God is working towards his purposes in the life of an individual. But because we're people, we are full of sin, we have our issues, we get distracted. Even with our good intentions, sometimes we get ourselves in trouble. We end up wandering away from what God has in store for us. And that's where intercession begins to play an important role. 
Because what the intercessor does, I'm not that long, is takes hold of God's purposes and plans and takes hold of the person and says, I refuse to let you be released from God God wants for your life. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to stand in the gap for you. I'm going to keep speaking heavenly order over your life. Your best attempts to bring chaos and disorder into your life, I will not give in to those attempts, but I will keep speaking God's order over your life. I will keep declaring that which the Father wants for you. And that's what an intercessor does. So that sometimes an intercessor needs a long rubber arm because this person just keeps moving and moving. I don't know if you've noticed with Christians particularly, when Christians start sliding away from God, they go for it, man. They go for it. They like, you know, Christians like, because they've got a conscience that has been stirred in them by the Spirit of God and this conscience speaks speaking to them and telling them you shouldn't be doing that. So they try and kill the conscience so they go for it. And sometimes, you know, it's like, is there any hope? But the intercessor says, no matter how long my arm has to stretch, I'm not gonna let you go. God has a good purpose for your life. God has a will for your life. And is there any greater picture of that than Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ himself, God. We, we mustn't get this picture wrong because sometimes when we say this, it feels like we're saying God's angry at the sinner and Jesus came and stood in the middle and said, whoo-hoo, angry God, uh, you know, like he wasn't, remember Jesus is God, fully God. So God himself came and took a position. There is the righteousness of God that demands that sin be paid for, that demands that sin be punished. And therefore, this, our sin and brokenness, our rebellion against God needed a, a sacrifice, needed something to pay for it, needed the account to be wiped out. And Jesus came and stood in that position as God, with God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the Trinity together. But Jesus came down to earth took on the form of a man and he stood here and he said, let heaven come on earth. And he, and he took hold of us. And like Chandra said, and he came to invite us to come into him, to stand for us in intercession. And he holds on and he says, I will never let you go. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No matter what you do, I'm gonna hold on. And I'm going to keep speaking the will of my Father. I'm going to keep speaking His creative, His redemptive power over your life. He intercedes for us. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Intercession is where we hold in love the justice and mercy of God into a situation. John three sixteen verse 17 probably the first scripture that most of us has memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his own son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Not only were we in a position that we were not able to live God's order but we were consistently moving away in our rebellion and this moving away in our position deserved condemnation, deserved punishment. And Jesus came and said, I will stand in the gap for you. Romans 8 verse 34. 
Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Right now, Jesus is still in that same position of intercession. He may have ascended from the cross, which, I mean, isn't it amazing, the cross? This is the picture of the cross. Heaven and earth being held together. He may have ascended from from earth, but he still is in this position where he holds us to the will of God, forever interceding for us. The first thing how his intercession works is just by the fact that he stands in that position. Without having to say anything, he's interceding for you. Because here comes the great accuser with the charge sheet. And he starts listing all our failures and all our sins and all the reasons we deserve God's judgment and his punishment. And he says to God, God, you say you're a righteous God that will punish the sins of every person. That is what you said. Lord, let me list to you the sins of this person. Surely they deserve to be punished by you. They deserve you to destroy them, to wipe them out, to send them into everlasting damnation. And the enemy has a good case against you and me. He's got the facts. He's got truth. And he begins to list every failure, every sin. And the evidence is mounting against us. And the the court is beginning to groan as it realizes there's no escape for us. The case is too strong. And then when the enemy has delivered his charge, without saying a word, Jesus just stands up. And he holds up his hands. And the scars of the cross are upon him. And he, and he just says, it's been paid. It's been canceled. Yes, they were guilty. Yes, you're right, accuser. Everything you say is correct, but you forgot one little detail. I have paid the price. And he stands as the intercessor, saying that earth that deserves war, famine, hatred, disaster, I've not let go of it. We will see God's will come. God's power will change things. And not only does he stand in that position, position, and then he declares, and then he speaks the truth, and he declares over your life, he declares over this world, he declares over this nation, this is the will of the Father. And he forever intercedes for you and me. Motivated, by nothing other than love. He loves us. He loves us. So when we intercede, when we talk about intercession, we have to remember it's that standing in the gap, motivated by love, to bring two people together that we love equally. That was the the definition I read for you. I love God. And because I love God, I want to see his will done. But God placed me in this person's life, and I love this person. Sometimes I'm interceding for people I didn't even know, but I'm, I'm interceding because I love them. My mom always used to say, when, I, when, I, when we spoke about somebody that's in trouble, she said, pray for them because you don't know if their mother's ever praying for them. Aren't you glad for mothers that pray for their children? That pull down heaven onto earth. 
and that say, I love you, I refuse to stop praying for you. That's what we do. We hold on. Early in this year, in, in the middle of January, the year just started and our boys, two of our boys, our youngest two, Liam and Ewan, went with a friend of theirs um, to go to Poch, to go and visit a friend that they've been reaching out to and it's his birthday and they wanted to make his birthday special. So on a Friday afternoon at about half past two somewhere, they left and drove off to Poch. And um, at about 4.25, if I remember correctly, I get a phone call from Liam and I answer the phone and these were his words. We're okay, but we've been in an accident. And he says, I say, what do you mean? He says, no, we've rolled the car, but we're okay. And how many of you know that changed that Friday? Found ourselves having to go to Potch and, you know, all of that. And later on, we discovered something that happened in that moment. At about, as we can piece together the information from messages that were sent and everything, at about the same minute as they had the accident where their car rolled, Natasha was driving down the road from our house to her parents' house, not a long distance. And as she was driving, she felt to pray for them, and she was praying for them, and she found herself saying these words, Lord, um, but spare their lives. Spare their lives. And she thought, that's a weird prayer. That's not something I'm going to normally pray for my children. I'm going to pray, bless them. I'm going to pray, you know, look after them. I'm going to pray all sorts of things. But I'm not going to pray, spare their lives. At the same minute as she prayed that, they rolled the car. The car rolled three times. Landed on its wheels about this far as me from the end of the stage from a massive pole that's three meters planted into the ground. If they hit that pole, who knows what would have happened. The car turned, stopped. As they opened the doors, worship music started playing. So everybody that stopped and in the dust was just hearing, I think it was, I'm no longer a slave to fear or something <laughs> that was playing. And they weren't necessarily listening to that as they were driving. It just sort of appeared out of nowhere. The three of them got out of the car with not a scratch on them. Liam went to the hospital because he did bump his head as he was getting out, so they wanted to make sure that he was fine, so, but not a scratch on them. The whole car was packed with food because they were taking food to this kid who only has a dad, doesn't have a mom, it's not a great situation, so they took all the food for the party, like, you know, stuff. The only thing that got damaged, not the, not the chocolate brownies that was in a bowl that somebody had to hold, is the... The buns, the bread rolls, got a bit crushed. Everything else was fine. Cars are right off. If I show you the photos. We don't know how these things work. But a one sentence prayer, spare their lives. Because at that moment, I don't know if anybody else was particularly, I wasn't praying for them in that moment. We did prayers before they left. Standing in the gap. Because the enemy has an assignment to destroy. That he's doing his level best. And I don't know if you know this about Satan. He's many things, but he's not lazy. He works hard, man. He does not stop working. He will execute his plans. But we have a savior. We have a savior. We have a savior. Intercession is partnering with God. 
to say there's purposes that God has. And we're gonna see those purposes come to pass. Uh, again, Karl Barth said, we are set at God's side and lifted up to him and therefore to the place where decisions are made in the affairs of his government. God invites us into the very place where he decides the, the, the destiny of the earth and he says, come, I'm gonna share that with you so that you can speak that on earth. You can become the voice on earth because God declares it in the heavenlies. But there's something in his working where it says, I want somebody on earth to declare it in faith. I need you to begin to declare what I'm declaring in the heavenlies, I need you to declare on earth. I need you to become the visible representation. You see, every person that lives on this planet is perfectly loved by God, but many of them will never know it until somebody comes and stands in the gap and become the physical representation of the perfect love of God. Not because we do it perfectly, but because we become the one that says, the perfect love of God in heaven, I'm gonna let you taste that on earth. I'm gonna love you. And that's what an intercessor does. How many of you can agree with me that our nation needs intercession? There's the plan of God for our nation, and then there's us, who seems to be able to, at every turn, find a way to mess it up. And I'm not just talking about, you know, a couple of decades, I'm talking about centuries now. We find ways to mess it up. All the blessings and the wealth and the riches that God has blessed this nation with, we find ways to not live in his order. And right now, God is looking and he's saying, who will hold on to South Africa? You see, it's easy to look at the news and to complain, to start speaking about everything that's wrong, to wave a hand or point a finger, to shake a head, it's easy to do that, to say, ah, you know, but the intercessor holds on to two parties that they love equally. I love you, God, and you have a purpose for this nation. I love this nation. So even if the Netherlands beats us in cricket, I'm not going to let know of this nation. Sorry if you didn't know that and you were hoping to, where's Jason? He said, this is our year, but he's a Liverpool supporter, so he does get it wrong. We, we say, I refuse to give up on South Africa because God's declaration is ultimately the truth that I will hold on to. So I'm holding on. I'm in a place of intercession. I love this quote by Pete Gregg, whose material we're using for this series. The hinge of human history, the hinge of human history is the bended knee. The hinge of human history. How often does things in human history turn because people pray? How often does the history of your family turn because you prayed? Things happen when we pray. We all know the story of Dunkirk. It's quoted in Pete Gregg's book. And we've seen, many of us have seen the movie. Great movie. Tells the story. But what the movie doesn't really show you is what led up to the miracle of Dunkirk. So you know what happened at Dunkirk is the British forces and some French forces and allied forces were trapped um, and they were in a little space on a beach 
330 something thousand or 380, I can't remember, thousand men were caught between an advancing German army and the English Channel with no way of escape. And so they started crying for help and messages got to England that we needed to get, because if these 300 and something thousand men get wiped out, they would have almost no standing army left. And then Germany would be able to just sweep over. And so when the news reached them, the king of England called a day of prayer. And he said to every believer, he said, you have to come. And in the cities and in the churches, in the towns, in the streets, people gathered. And for a day they prayed. And they asked God for his intervention. And you know what happened with Dunkirk. That they started getting all the vessels they could. Military and non-military vessels. Mostly non-military. Just every person that had a boat. And they would go across the English Channel and see. And they were hoping to rescue 10% of the troops that were caught on that beach. But two things happened on that day. The first thing is the weather. The weather on the ocean wasn't great, but it was good enough so that the ships could cross over. But the weather turned in France, so that became so bad that the Luftwaffe couldn't get their planes to take off and to go and attack both the ships and the troops. If the Luftwaffe was able to strafe these troops on the beach, I don't know about you, but beaches don't have trees. They don't have a hiding place. They would have killed them in mass, but they weren't, couldn't take off. The weather only turned after the boats got there and then the sea became as quiet as anything so that they could quickly make their way back. So that was the first thing that happened. Great coincidence. Second thing that happened, which is still a mystery today, which nobody can understand, is the German army was very close, big enough that they could wipe out all those troops on there. Between the, air, air, the Luftwaffe and the ground troops, they would wipe out those troops on the beaches. But for some another strange reason that nobody understands, against all the advice of his generals, Hitler decided to command his army to stay put. For three days, the German army didn't move. They just stood still and looked in the direction of the beaches at Dunkirk. And in that time, these vessels were able to come over, get soldiers on, and guess how many they, read, they saved? 300,000 troops were saved from sure death. Everybody believed this is the end. After this happened, the king again called a day of prayer. And he said, we have to thank God for the miracle of Dunkirk. We have to thank God. The hinge of human history is the bended knee. It's where there's a people of faith that says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my front line, my terrible front line, I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not going to assume the position of the accuser that judges them and says there's no hope for them. I'm going to hold on to the kingdom and declare the goodness of God. It's not that I'm blind to their faults and their failures. I just refuse to consign them to no hope. Because Jesus died for them. Jesus has come to bring God's order on earth. I'm not going to be a Christian. I don't know what your eschatology is. But I'm not going to be a Christian that's just going to wait to be rescued one day. And just sort of limp out of this earth and finally close the door behind us and go, may they all go to hell. I'm going to be a Christian that's going to fight for every inch every day to bring God's order onto earth.
because that's what I see Jesus said. When you pray, pray like this. I'm almost gonna come to an end. 2 Corinthians 7, Natasha did a great job earlier this year preaching about this. Where God speaks to his people and he says, I wanna live among you. I want you to know my blessing. I want you to know my goodness. So they're dedicating the temple and God says, I'm gonna come and live amongst you in the temple, but don't mess around with me. Don't say I'm welcome amongst you and then turn your backs on me because it's not gonna end well for you. If you do that, there will be punishment. There will be judgment because I'm a righteous God. And he says the following to them in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if things go bad, he says, then this is what you do. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. God says three little words in that, three verbs in that, that statement. When things go wrong, if my people turn, then I will heal their land. When, if, then. There's no situation in your life that no matter how bad it's getting, that you cannot, if, turn to God and not see God respond and heal. When things go wrong, God, God didn't say if things go wrong, he said when things go wrong. We live in a world where things will go wrong because it's a broken world, it's failed, it's against God's order. So when things go wrong, when things go wrong in your family, when things go wrong on your front line, when things go wrong in your friendship group, wherever it is, you say, when things go wrong. If my people who are called by my name recognize that they're from heaven and not from earth, that they've got a higher seat, if they then turn, if they've got any culpability in this crisis that's happening, if they are perpetuating the, the, the devil's chaos, if they repent from that, if they turn from that, then I will use them and through them I will heal the land. And through them doesn't always mean only through their actions, just by their presence and their prayer, I will heal their land. When things go wrong in South Africa, if my people who are called by my name. And guess who's called by God's name? Can I ask you that question? Who's called by God's name? Why are you called by God's name? For one reason only, because you have the blood of Jesus on you. You're not called by God for God's name because you are a certain color, because you're a certain tribe, because you speak a certain language, because you're a certain education, because you have a certain economic status. None of that is what calls you God's people. The only thing that calls me God's person is the blood of Jesus because there's one covenant there's one covenant in Christ if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves turn from their wicked ways I will hear from heaven heaven and I will come down to earth and I will heal their land do we believe that so if you want to worship team you guys I can literally say you guys today and not not like feel guilty because I've somehow, you know, being not inclusive. If you want to grow in your intercession, there's four steps that you, can, you and I can consider. The first one is get informed. To intercede, we need information. If you want to intercede for Ethiopia and the terrible things that are happening in Ethiopia, go read up about it. Find out about it. Don't just go on your own conviction. 
Don't just go on your own understanding. Find out about the truth. Speak to people that's involved. I mean, if you wanna pray for nations, we have great mission organizations that every day release write-ups about every nation on the earth and you know, like in, in, in sequence and will tell you about things that are going on and what our prayer point is. Get informed. Find information about something. When I was in America recently, I was, I was sitting in the front row of this conference that I, I spoke at and a, and a lady came up in a, at the end of a worship session and she had a prophetic word that she wanted to share. And the prophetic word went something like this. And as she was sharing it, she was looking at me. She said, when lion, male lions in Africa go hunting and they want to catch the antelope, they dig a hole in the ground and then they roar into this hole so that it reverberates and then it confuses the antelope. The moment she said that, I looked down and my prayer was simply this, don't come and speak to me, don't come and speak to me because I really don't want to have an awkward moment. Because I don't know about you, I don't know everything about lions, but this I know, male lions are lazy. And it's way too beneath them to dig holes. I've never heard of that. So perhaps there's some naturalist here that can, can prove me wrong. But as far as I know, no lion digs. And if, the, if there's gonna be any digging done by a lion, it'll be the female doing the digging. It's not gonna be the male. They sleep 22 hours a day or something. Sometimes we can have these prophetic convictions, but there's not a whole lot of substance to it. Get informed. The problem is when you get informed, you will get depressed. If you go read up about things, if you wanna pray and if you feel stirred, for instance, for slavery in the world today, and you start reading the statistics, you will get depressed. If you're feeling a cry of God in your heart for unborn children that are being aborted at an alarming rate, and you wanna pray into that, you're gonna get depressed as you read the stuff that's going on. But push through. Don't be the Christian that says, oh, I don't want my peace disturbed. I don't want to know things. I just want to be blissfully ignorant. Because God knows. God's going to do what God's going to do. No. God's going to do with us, partner with us. He calls you to pray. So when you have gotten informed and now you feel depressed, then get inspired. Begin to say, Lord, what are your possibilities? What are your dreams? What is your truth? How do you see people? What is it that you want? What are your promises, Lord? So that when I look at modern slavery and I see the terrible problem it is, I start saying, Lord, what do you see? How do you see this situation? And God begins to speak into that situation. And he inspires me with hope because I'm, I get to know truth. When I look at all these millions of babies that are being aborted right now, and it, it's like, I don't know how to live in a world, Lord, where that's not godly order. And then God says, but I have knitted them together in their mother's womb. Just because nobody else wants them, I want them. And if you want to give them to me, I'll take them. I don't know how that works and everything, but God says, I love them. And it begins to inspire me to say, Lord, I'm not going to give up on a broken world, on a rebellious, on a nasty, ugly world. I'm going to keep praying because you love this world. And you love the perpetrator as much as you love the, the person that who's being perpetrated upon. You love them. I get inspired by who God is. And then sometimes what will happen after I've gotten informed and I've gotten inspired, I may get a bit indignant. Because when I see things that are unjust and wrong, there's something of God that begins to rise up that calls me to action that may passionately present itself and I say, no, this will not happen. No. 
I don't know about you, but if you've been moved in prayer where there's something, I'm not talking about a human anger and frustration, but every now and then there's a little bit of like this, mm, this roar of the lion of Judah that begins to stand up in you. When you pray for your children and you see the stuff that the enemy is trying to do in their lives and how he's trying to deceive them and you're praying, at some point your prayer begins to move from asking to commanding, to declaring, to speaking. And, and you start praying for your child and you say, I declare in the name of Jesus that every weapon formed against you will not prosper, that everything that is done in the darkness will come into the light, that every scheme of the evil one will be shown for what it is. I declare it in the name of Jesus and you begin to roar like a real lion, roar. No having to dig holes, just roar. And you're roaring over a situation. You roar over this nation and you say, Lord, this nation is your nation. You established the nations of the earth, the world says. You measured out the places for us. We exist because of you, not because of Jan van Riebeek or the Khoisan or the whoever, Lord. We exist because of you. And we will call upon your plans and we will say that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords over this nation. And you get indignant. And then the last thing is you get in sync because the word says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will dwell amongst them. And you begin to pray with other saints. Now, intercessory groups aren't sharing groups. You know, Christians don't gossip, we share. We share with one another. But so often, I've been in intercessory meetings and it's just gossip. We're sharing in prayer. Lord, we pray for brother so-and-so. You know, brother so-and-so, I saw him at the liquor store the other day. And now I'm praying, Lord, for the spirit of, abduct, of, of abuse and addiction in his life. And we're sharing. Intercession groups aren't groups of sharing because then it's just, then you might as well pray in your own name. I don't know about you, if I pray in the name of Louis, doesn't really do much. Because remember, praying in the name of Jesus is in the character of Jesus. So I'm not gonna share intercession. And intercessory groups aren't pressure groups either. Where, church, where people get together and now they're going to start praying and then they're going to put pressure on people. We know the will of God. God has shown us the will and you must listen to what we say. So often intercession is just you say nothing, you just pray until God does His will. You trust Him. You know the Bible says faith without hints is dead works. Listen again. Faith without hints is dead works. No, the Bible doesn't say that. Sometimes we think I've got to pray and hint at the same time. Leave it up to God. Will you join me? Will you join me and be a place of intercession? Somebody got the joke just now. Was it you, Chandra? Wasn't you? Won't you stand with me this morning? It's amazing. We already did this before I even shared. So, you know. I'm, I, I'm sort of redundant today. You don't really need me to do anything. The Spirit of God is moving. But perhaps at this point in time, there's something where we can together say, Lord, you have called me and you have sent me. I have a front line. Where are you going to be tomorrow this time? What are you going to be facing? What chaos and disorder are you going to find yourself in the midst of? 
Can you begin to dare to believe even more than before and say, Lord, I'm sent by you. I'm an intercessor. Can a, can a spirit rise up within the people of God at this time that says, I refuse to let this world just slip into its chaos. I will hold on to the promises of God. Won't you let your spirit arise for a moment and I'm gonna pray. Just, but allow your spirit right now, just open your spirit up. Just say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I'm a child of the King. I, I don't come to you as a beggar. I don't come to you as a person just hoping you will hear me. I come to you knowing that you are my Father, that you have told me to pray. You have said when we pray, pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm gonna assume that position for whatever space I find myself right now. And I begin to say, let your kingdom come. Won't you just, we're just gonna do this for 30 seconds. Just lift up your voice and begin to, to hold on to the Father. Say, Father, show me your will for the situation I find myself in. The situation where you want me to intercede. Show me your will, show me your plan, show me your purposes, Lord. Give me your heart. The salt does not put a push up, a pull up his nose against the smell of the food that it is supposed to give flavor to. It says, here I am. Lord, we come, come Holy Spirit. And I pray that in this moment right now, a spirit of intercession to a new level and in a new way will be birthed in our community. We are here because of the intercession of saints that have gone before us. Pastor Ed and Kevin Doran prayed for years on Mankey's Corp and interceded so that you and I could be here today. It is our turn to intercede and see the kingdom of God break through on earth as it is in heaven. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I pray that the depression, the failure, the fear, the doubt, the anxiety, the passive passivity will fall away from us, Lord. The laziness will fall away from us and that we will step in, Lord. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I'm gonna release you to go and say, Go with the grace of God into your front line. It's not by your effort that you get sent. It's not because you've got all the wisdom and all the resources and all the understanding and the know-how. It's because you've got Jesus in you and you are in Christ. Abide in Him. Call upon Him. And you will be amazed at what He can do. Lord, we love you. I, I speak a favor and a blessing over every saint, every family represented here. That as we go, we will roar in this city and in this province and in this nation. And we will declare who the King is. Firstly, through our lifestyles and then also through our prayers and our speaking in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you. If you want to go, you're welcome to leave. Thank you for those of you that joined us online for being with us. If you want prayer this morning, there's people that every Sunday come and stand in the front and they actually do intercession. They stand in the gap. And if you need prayer, just come and let somebody pray with you and stand in the gap with you. But may the Lord bless you. May you be stirred in His presence. I'm gonna ask the team just to declare over us who God is as we leave. You're welcome to stay if you wanna be with us. It's gonna be loud for a little bit and then they'll go softer so that people can hear each other as they pray. So just wait for them to do that. Thank you, Robbie.